0: Hello, and welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, a show for people who want to take their personal training businesses and fitness coaching skills to the next level. Team Alloy has been in the personal training business since 1992 and share their insights from working with businesses and brands around the world. Listen in for secrets and tips on running a successful fitness business from personal training, marketing, staff management, scaling your business, and everything in between. If you are interested in having your own personal training business, our systems are well developed and we are focusing on very discrete segments which we think are the secrets to success. Now, let's get started with our host.
1: Maddie. Yo, I Haven't seen you in five minutes. Five minutes, man. Long time. I know. How you been? been great. It was a great five minutes. <laughs> Did you get a lot done? Oh, yeah. All right. No, it's no kind of waste of ready time. Ready to you go for the second
2: it. part of this one, man.
1: Yeah, me too. So we're on part two, you guys, of uh, programming for clients, creating great programs for clients. Today we're going to talk about the actual programming itself. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us about it, man. What you got?
2: All right. Well, the programming itself, I think we kind of mentioned this in a previous podcast, but we break things down into a, well, first off, we do a full body workout every time they're here, right? Now, why do we do that? Well, let's be honest. I mean, uh, clients, you're lucky to get them, what, two to three days a week. So you better be giving them everything they need every time they walk in the door, which I tell clients that every time.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. You've got an hour essentially to get in mobility, stability, which is core strength, mm-hmm. the you know good programming rules, which we're going to talk about, and core, mm-hmm. all done in an hour's time. So, you, and, yeah, and maybe we'll a metabolic, metabolic finisher metabolic as well. And yep. some
2: emotional work. That's a some,
1: lot, man. Some emotional work. <laughs>
2: It could be different emotionally. <laughs> We're, We're gonna, gonna have a really
1: deep one. conversation right as you're out of breath. We do my emotional exercises. Sometimes it's his counseling. No, I like it, man. I was okay. just, I was just. You you, know, you're just a teasing, trainer. You know what teasing. it's like out there. Yeah. Hey, anyone listening? Did you hear that? Like, you don't mess with Matt on programming. <laughs> Matt takes this shit seriously. It's his job. He only programs for a couple thousand clubs worldwide every single week. Do not make fun of any of the programming because he will get you. And he might get you through workouts. Nah. You know what's funny about that is I come in and everybody in the gym knows that Matt designs the workouts and it's fun for the coaches because the clients are like, this is the worst workout I've ever done. Oh my God. Just part of the fun sport of banter. They like to blame
2: me. It's fine. It it only makes me stronger. Talk to Matt. Right. Yeah. I like to see him in agony, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, but I mean, we do a... uh, all the above, just like you said, I mean, it happens every time. Um, let talk about full body. Pool. Can I
1: jump in there? Sure, man. You, know, you know I can't be quiet. No. Um, our listeners are like, shut the hell up. We want to hear Matt. No, go for it. Too full bad. Body. What you got? What you got? Well, so full body programming. When we talk about full body, you know, a lot of people that do have an exercise background are used to doing body part splits, like I'm doing arms today, or I'm doing legs today. Well, first of all, there's no metabolic benefit to doing just body part training, mm-hmm. right? Typically, you, I mean, you're doing legs, yeah, you're getting your chart rate up. If you have an arm day and you're 40 pounds overweight, you're wasting your time. Yeah. and then you'll see people doing a lot of that. See, there's just not a lot of metabolic benefit to doing arms only. So we like full body cuz it's very efficient. The entire workout can be done in some type of superset fashion, mm-hmm. right? But for those of you guys that are into gaining lean tissue or gaining muscle, you know, there have been studies that would support that with the same weekly volume, if you do it in say equal amounts of, you know, full body training versus body part splits which is the old bodybuilding type of way to do it that you'll actually see better strength gains and muscle gain so if you took chest as an example and you know the old bodybuilding way to do it might be like you do chest on monday and then you take you know four or five days to recover and then you do it again but if you took that same volume, say it was 12 sets, mm-hmm. which would be low for a bodybuilding, let's say it was 12 sets of chest. And you did four sets of a pushing upper body movement in the horizontal plane, which by the way, would be chest. And you did that on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you would actually see better benefits with the same volume by taking small doses more often. So that's another reason to do full body. So keep in mind, it's not just for weight loss and gen pop, there is some actual benefit for muscle gain as well, right? Not getting big and bulky. If you're listening to this and you're worried about that, like that doesn't happen without yeah. right hormone profile Lower injury risk, lower injury risk, less volume overall. So yeah, we like it for a myriad of different reasons. So with that full body programming, Matt, like, what are we trying to accomplish? Which movements are we hitting in every workout?
2: Now, every workout, we're going to get our four main movements and we're going to get our two core movements kind of call them that, but the four main movements we have pushing, hip dominant, knee dominant, and pulling,
1: right. correct? Yep. So to um, define that for folks, pushing is an upper body movement. And you can really, if you think about it, you can push in a couple different ways. You can push horizontally, which would be like a push up, pushing in front of your body, or you can push vertically, which would be pushing over your head. So we're going to pick one push movement, right? And then we're also going to pick a pull movement because we want balance, Right. And if we're honest with today's sitting centric society, we could probably, if we were going to double down, we would do it on pull movements sure. But we're just trying to keep a, a, a happy balance between the two and pulling is the same way you could pull vertically. If you think about pulling vertically, it would be like a pull up or a pull down mm-hmm. and then pulling horizontally would be any kind of a row. Right. And then Matt mentioned hip and knee dominant. Think about hip dominant is sort of backs out of your body where your maybe your hips don't change levels a whole lot. So think about a kettlebell swing or maybe a deadlift mm-hmm. where you change a little but not as much as you would in what we call knee dominant movement where the quintessential move is a squat. And you think about elevation change, also a step up and you think just squat, everyone here is like, Oh, don't squat, you know, from a doctor. And it's like, okay, we're not doing deep barbell squats with everyone. Right. We'll talk about the, uh, the different levels in a minute, but you can do it on a single leg. You can do goblet, you can do reduced range of motion yes. if you need to, you can do box squats where you're not going too deep. You know, there's so many ways to do what we're calling a knee dominant movement, don't get hung up on the words squat and deadlift and think, Oh, I'm not supposed to do deadlifts. It's like, well, you could be doing a floor bridge, you know, lying on your back, bridging your hips in the air. And to us, that's just a deadlift, like 15 degrees, you know, regressed, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So don't get too caught up on those terms. So those are the four patterns. Yeah. Well, Tell well, me I about so, the,
2: you mean you, all the exercises you mentioned are very, you know, compound movements um, that do what we call like our big rocks theory. You want to break down how you came upon that?
1: Yeah. just just, if you, if you have a jar, this is old, I don't even know where this came from, but if you have a jar and you put big rocks in it, is it truly full? Mm-hmm. No, it's a question. Oh, you're asking me the question. I was just agreeing with is, is it really full? No. Really? Well, what else could I put in there, Matt? The little rocks, water. I could, I could put some little rocks in there. <laughs> you're right. Maybe some sand and then <laughs> yeah. maybe even some water would fit in there. <laughs> but the, Matt's heard this so many times and he teaches it. So he's probably like, are you really asking me this? But think about that concept when it comes to programming. If you what we typically see problems with clients is they fill up their bowl with sand and water, which mm-hmm. means it's a little accessory exercises, right? Yes. So the whole workout's knickknacks. It's like, I'm going to do a single arm seated side, lateral movement for my shoulder. It's like, okay, that is a very low bang for your buck movement. You're not time burning times. many calories. <laughs> You're not involving a lot of muscles. There's like zero metabolic benefit at all. So we like compound exercises that use lots of different muscles at a time. A great example would be a push-up, mm-hmm. you know, using a lot of muscles in your body to do a push-up. Well, that's a big rock. So we're gonna base our movements on the big rocks, which are the things that are compound movements that give us the most bang for the buck as far as strength, muscle activation metabolic benefit, all the things that come along with using lots of muscles in a single movement. And as long as your bowl, if you will, it was fish bowl is full of big rocks first. Mm-hmm. Then we'll talk about the sprinkly stuff, the arms and the inner mm-hmm. thighs and those things to sprinkle around it. Like we touched on in part one, that's your sand and your water and your small rocks, things like that.
2: Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. I mean, and you have to do that and it kind of also go back to the body parts, splits. is you can't Nobody's going to come seven days a week or five days a week to your gym. So what day? Like if you're doing splits, like what are you cutting out? You know, right? You got
1: two days. What are you just upper lower? I mean, so maybe you're getting one one. You're getting basically one
2: workout a week. Yeah,
1: right. Well, you do see it. I mean, and you know, not to not to throw too much shade, but you might be at a big commercial gym, and I'll see someone that's really, you know, that's visibly, you know, overweight, and I'm sure that they're working with a coach for some kind of a fat loss school. And they'll be doing a, you know, seated isolation exercise for arms. I'm like, well, I don't think it's at the end of the workout because you might see them do like four or five of those things. So it's taking up the entire 30 or 60 minutes just doing goofy stuff. So I know that those things feel good. And maybe through the lens of the client, it's like, well, this is exactly what I wanted to work on. But we know scientifically that's not the right way to program. So big rocks, push, pull, hip, knee, talk about core a little bit core so our
2: two type of core movements we do what's called anti-extension core and anti-rotation so anti-extension we think about kind of extension to floor and say a planking type of movement it's all and both our core movements honestly are resisting movement it's all being as stable as possible what
1: happened to uh, sit-ups and, and uh, crunches man? I don't get it
2: well you see I want to have a lean, was, I want to have
1: lean abs it's summer I need to get lean abs well as we know
2: that ain't going to do it and the best thing for that <laughs> anyway is called the pushback. Oh, I'm, I'm not familiar. So you know what the pushback is? I don't. It's just where you push yourself back from the table. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no this is right. going to be goofy. But uh, this all comes from Stuart McGill, which, I mean, I'll let you take it away on this because you can ramble on better than that uh, than me about that. But it's all about resisting movement, stabilizing our core. It's not built of flexion and side bends and all what, you know, we used to believe, I guess. Yep. And we do that just like the other ones every time they walk in. And then I not to say some of the exercises don't are already incorporate. I honestly tell people everything you do in our gym has core in it, right? You it do does. a pull-up has core, deadlifts have core, push-up. So basically moving plank. So, yep. I mean, if anybody asks, like, when's the core? I like, well, we've been doing it the, in- <laughs> the right. entire time.
1: Yep. There's a little bit of art of coaching when you're having someone do something like, say, a single arm farmer's walk, mm-hmm. which through the technical lens of programming, you guys, that's just holding a kettlebell or a dumbbell down by your side and walking across the room while maintaining great posture. That is essentially just a moving side plank. That's all that that is. And so, But you have to speak the language. So to your point about like, hey, we're not working core. Well, you can still tell clients, hey, feel your love handles opposite side of where you're holding that load. Feel how tight that is. Now feel the other one. See how relaxed that is. Them
2: to feel their love handles.
1: I don't feel their love handles. I ask them to feel. Right. Yeah. Or their glutes. There. That's their job. Feel your side. Yeah. I'm gonna grab your glutes now. Brace yourself. Feel that. (laughs) What's that doing? Nothing. Congratulations. (laughs) See you next time. No, but uh, yeah. you have to speak their language. You have to talk about, like, you have to somehow have to use, uh, sometimes have to use words like love handles and things like that. But point is, Stuart McGill, foremost spinal expert in the world as far as performance is concerned. You know, he can tell you how many newtons of pressure it takes to break a spine and a lab and how many then a push-up or a sorry a sit-up produces and maybe why that's not the best test overall. Mm-hmm. So when we do core work, we are resisting movement in planes of motion. So if you think about a plank, you're trying to resist your stomach sagging to the floor, sort of like an old horse just gets broken down, right? And we see people like that. They come in and they just start at the shoulders and it slumps down in the middle and comes back up a little bit where the glutes are and then the knees are bent, you know, from yep. there to the heels. And so just being able to stabilize your core is actually the way your core is built to work in everyday life. Mm -hmm. Your core is meant to prevent movement, not to create movement. So doing crunches over a stability ball, which we were guilty of until we knew better. And I think we were one of the first ones onto the latest research. The way that Stuart McGill described that, and of course, he's a neurologist, so he's trying to dumb it down for a group of strength coaches, right? He's saying, like, imagine taking a credit card and just bending it over and over and over again. What's going to happen? It's like, oh, it's going to get a stress line in it. It's like, yeah, then what's going to happen? It's like, oh, you're going to break it. He's like, exactly. So I know it's a very simplistic way to explain it and probably make him cringe, you know, his mustache <laughs> is tingling already. Yeah, but it's a great way to explain to clients. It is. And and that's really important, right? To be able mm-hmm. to do that. But that's why in our program, you're going to see pushing, pulling hip, knee, and then anti-extension, anti-rotation core. And by the way, I hope we have clients in our gym listening to this because I'm sure they think that we're just throwing random things out there. And as you can see, I hope so far, like the way we got them to the workout and then the way that we program is anything but random. It is very systematic. It's very scientific. Mm-hmm. Now we try to deliver it in a fun way untechnical way so that you can actually digest it and have a good time with it. But sometimes it's really nice to hear how much thought and science goes into building really, really good programs for people, right? So push pull hip knee and then no crunches or sit-ups for that very reason. Now once we get there, Matt, it's like, okay, so those are our programming conventions. Yep. Right. We talked about emotional work in part one, so Mm -hmm. we'll do a little bit of that at the end. And there's always a metabolic finisher. Right. And go back and listen to the hit podcast that we did about the science behind metabolic finishers, which is like a three to five minute, get your heart rate up really high. It's really good to do post-weight training. It doesn't need as much neurological recruitment. Keep it simple. Do it at your level, right? But with all of those programming rules, if you will, there are different levels of these things, right? Right. So we talked about in part one, there's two things that we match up for programming. We, we look at health history and we look at the functional movement screen, which is what we've chosen as our tool to measure movement. Mm-hmm. And then that allows us to level them in to our different levels, right? To the level of those workouts. Now, the important thing is, is the rules don't change. And the reason, the, the, how we got to this, you guys, was we used to do one-on-one training. We serviced our personal training in a one-on-one setting and everybody got a custom program, right? hmm but then when we really took a step back and we looked at the rules of programming through through what we knew from science and our philosophies based on what we know and do by working with 60,000 clients sessions a year, right? right. It's like, oh, well, if this client comes in, you know, we have a certain rules and those are going to apply to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, oh, all those rules are out. This person does something completely different. Like we know the the best programming rules. So it became not about moving to custom programming. It's more like, well, why are we recreating the wheel and doing a version of like, mm-hmm. a, like okay, here's some injuries. Here's a fitness, different fitness level. I'm going to build a custom workout design. Well, if you looked at that and you looked at a custom workout design for someone who didn't have injuries, who was very, very fit. Based on our rules, it's kind of the same workout. Very similar, yes. It's just, it's based on the same rules. Push, mm-hmm. pull, hip, knee, yep. anti-extension, anti-rotation, core. Because those are the best programming conventions that we know of scientifically. I Anything mean, less than that would be... Oh, it would be different. Really, would be just
2: exercise selection, probably. would be some maybe some tempo and different things, but yeah,
1: load, tempo, exercise selection. So there's rules around good programming, but Mm -hmm. you can still make it very, very personal. Mm -hmm. And this is where a lot of brands fall short. They really do. So this is where one of the things for alloy that you and I talk about, we just take for granted our programming. It really is a special sauce in what we do, because if you go to another brand, they're going to have a one size fits all workout. It's going to be, they're going to create a decent experience around it. There's nothing wrong with that. But they're not going to think about pushing and pulling and balance and this and yeah. that. They're just going to get you sweaty, and they don't have any consideration for your level of fitness. Yeah. They it just really can't. Is,
2: it's, it's too much is on the coach's shoulders to be good and to know what they're doing.
1: And quite honestly, based on like the fast switching of stations and setup and the clock and all mm-hmm. the crap that's going on, you literally can't. In, you know, one of the things we talked about during this COVID shutdown was that a lot of health and fitness facilities were struggling, and so there was a lot of good talent on the market. And every time we talked to a, a potential coach here, one of the things they liked about us, what drew them to our brand, was the fact that we did you know, some kind of a screening up front and that we applied real good programming conventions because some of these folks were working in other brands where it was just, you know, loud music and a headset and they were and they were true strength coaches or maybe they had exercise science degree and it pained them to have to coach people to do dumb things. Mm -hmm. So they look at us and they're like, you know what I really like about you guys? It's really personal training and it's real strength conditioning. So, you know, again, for our members or for our potential customers, it's good to hear that like, Hey, it's at the, we're at the tip of the spear with the science on this programming. But what we've done is figured out a way to get you from the door to the programming and make it seamless and fun and not seem like as big a deal as what we're really putting into it. Right. Cool. So let's take a scenario that we talked about earlier. So let's, let's
2: do, I'd rather let's yeah. do the first part. Was just talk about like we'll say let's talk about our levels. Okay, there's levels right in our programming, and talk about kind of piece together how we got that level right. We did that a little bit on the first one, and what
1: that means to a coach. Yes. So we really have three distinct levels of fitness, and they're and they're a combination of movement mm-hmm. and health history. So we talked about in part one. Somebody that moves well, but hasn't exercised in forever. If we're only using the movement screen, we might inadvertently put them into a higher I level understand. of exercise, yeah. but they haven't exercised in, in 20 years. So they would be so sore I mean, it'd be irresponsible to do that, right? It would just be too much. So we look at both of those things and then we have three distinct levels of fitness that we place them into. Mm-hmm. We've got beginner, intermediate, and advanced. We call those stability, strength, and power, which I believe are old NASM terms, but it just sounds better than beginner, intermediate, and advanced, sure. right? Because nobody wants to be a beginner. So, <laughs> Well, I mean,
2: it's not, the clients aren't hearing that much anyway. No, nah, it just sounds better.
1: <laughs> so leveling them in to these three different levels is a combination of those two screens that we're doing on the front end, right. health history, functional movement screen. Now we level them in. Now, the programs are written around all the science and all the programming conventions that you just mm-hmm. mentioned. All we have to do is make sure we look at those two factors before and connect that person to the right level of fitness. Mm-hmm. And so... Example of that might be, again, moves well, but hasn't worked out in forever. They're still going to go into our stability level because they haven't worked out in 20 years. That's where they need to start. Mm -hmm. And guess what's different about the stability level than the power level? Well, the volume is lower, so Mm -hmm. it's not going to be too much exercise. So they're so sore they have to, you know, they can't walk. Yep, volume's down. Yeah, exactly. So the volume is a little lower. The load is going to be lighter. The movements are going to be easier to complete, right? Think about like bilateral using both legs instead of one leg. I mean, little things, all these factors that would take four four or five hours to explain are all considered to make Mm -hmm. this programming, these levels, and and also experience in working with these levels. So being able to say, based on all these years of experience and 70, 60,000 sessions a year, if someone moves this way and has this health history, they belong here. And then, by the way, when they belong here, this is exactly the workout that they should right. be doing based on their level of fitness. I mean,
2: it just for example, is like you take somebody that moves really well but has never exercised. If you don't have that other piece, and you go and you put them in the wrong level just say, let's well, say push-ups for pushing, just because they move well and they show they show they can do it, are you just going to throw them a single arm push-up?
1: Right. Yeah, like I and mean, then they
2: maybe teach them how to do a regular push first. Right. I mean, they I wouldn't. Mean,
1: it's have, very they, extreme,
2: but it's, it's, it's the. No, the whole it's, a, it's point. a great
1: point because if, to your point about the way the programs work, there might be an elevated push up, a regular push up. So, beginner, mm-hmm. you know, elevated. Next one, regular, right? Intermediate. Advanced would be single arm, right? As an example. Well, that way we can accommodate a wide range of fitness levels with essentially the same programming conventions. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite sayings about this, I think, I can't remember the girl, the lady's name that said it, but it's a great quote. And it says, we're, we are truly unique, just like everybody else. (laughs) Meaning when people come in, in that time, when you're breaking down health history and and the movement screen, they are unique, but it doesn't change the rules of modern scientific programming right? Mm-hmm. We all need the same thing, whether we like to admit it or not. Right. We just need it at different doses, at different levels with different loads, you know, at different speeds. I mean, there's so many ways to, to level people in and it takes a lot of effort and science and e- empirical evidence, experience, everything to know what those levels need to look like based on how we're getting them from the door to those levels. And that's something that you, I mean, we, but mainly you putting the programs together does a great job of Granted, it's three distinct levels, right? Mm-hmm. Each one is based, it's basically the same workout just designed at different levels. And then the coach still has to be a coach because the coach has to look at that and say, okay, here's Matt, here's his level. Here's the workout that he's going to do this day. But he also, by the way, here's the injuries that were identified. Right. So what, let's take another scenario, right? Let's take someone who moved well, they're athletic, but they have an injury. Mm-hmm. Well, then they're gonna they might go into our most advanced level of programming. So it says on our little tool here on the app power level client, great. They're going right through the power level of the workout. So this might be like you know, weighted pull ups and single arm push ups and resisted single leg squats or to a really deep box, something really hard for anyone. For yeah. It would be the stuff that the coaches that are listening to this would struggle to do with an appropriate load in a good way, right? Well, If that's the case and they have uh, a shoulder injury because they play a lot of tennis, right, then we are able then to eliminate the egregious movement patterns that bother them, which is typically going to be vertical press, Mm -hmm. maybe vertical pull, maybe even horizontal press. I don't know. But it's easy to sub those things in. But you still have to understand the programming conventions, beginner, immediate, advanced, We can get them really, really close. Sometimes we land them dead on the right workout they need to do. And then the coach has to make minor adjustments based on injuries. Mm -hmm. But we teach what those adjustments are.
2: Yeah, so typical, I mean, what you're basically saying is you're taking that injury information that you found out in the health history and then applying already kind of giving some kind of rules around that for the coaches. It's if you
1: could imagine, uh, if I could put this on a whiteboard for everyone, it's an algorithm essentially. It's like an, if this, then that, Mm -hmm. and there's all these rules. Okay. If this, then that, if this, then that, if this, then that, if this, then that, then they end up in the right level. And the programs are built specifically for the algorithm process that Mm -hmm. says, if this, then that. Yep. So it's sometimes the workouts for variety. And remember, we're doing all this, you guys, and doing different workout every day. Yep. So every single day it's a different workout, but you know what? All those rules and those algorithms are always behind the scenes at play at all times. Mm -hmm. So it's very scientific and very systematic, but the way it comes out is like, Hey, different workout every day because we understand there's some entertainment value in that. Right. So push, pull, hip, knee, anti-extension, anti-rotation core. We're going to do a metabolic finisher, three to five minutes, because that's going to, get, it's going to get that heart rate elevated. It's going to give you a little bit of a bump in metabolism. It's going to give you those cardiovascular benefits that we all want. And then we'll do some emotional work after that, which would be arms, extra butt, or whatever. And, and we can program that in based on, again, knowing who they are and what their health history is and how they move. We can make sure that their extras to get them where they want to be are not at odds or in, in conflict with what their movement patterns are, what their injuries may be. Right. Okay. Cause somebody may have a bad knee and say, Hey, I really want to build up my butt. Well then we're going to come up with an emotional exercise that they can do at the end. That's a specific butt builder. Right. Mm-hmm. Granted they're getting that in the regular programming, squatting, dead, you know, hip hinging and knee dominant mm-hmm. are going to get it. But you know what I mean? It's yep. like, let's give it a little bit of extra. Great. We can do that. We're just going to give you a version of that. That's not again at odds with what your injuries and mm-hmm. things are, if that makes sense. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So, does that help? I mean, do you have anything to add to that overall as the king of no, all I programs? No, I mean, um, we
2: talk about just injuries. How about the FMS? How's that play into our programs? I mean, we talked about in the first one, but there's actually some rules that come out of that.
1: I mean, well, you tell me, I mean, I, I don't know where you're going with it. So just tell
2: me, tell well, me what I you Well, I mean, just, I mean, it's one thing, like we said in the first one, is like, you're going to run a screen. Great. But what are you going to do with that information? So say we talk about shoulders already, you know, people with shoulder injuries, yes, clearly we're going to avoid exercises. They put them at risk. Well, when you are non-functional, but don't have pain, there's a reason we got to make you don't, we don't want you to get hurt. We don't want you to have that. Uh, injury. Um, So you start taking, go through that screen and our programs is built to say you have a poor shoulder mobility screen that automatically goes in where we have a, you know, no overhead for that client until that's fixed. Okay. And then that also could piece into emotional exercise for something. They'd be like, well, I really want to be able to go overhead. All right. Well, your emotional work, maybe some corrective exercises, you know, right. to get better. Yeah. Great point. Um, but those rules are what help keep those clients safe and coming back every time and really what make the programs really mesh. So you got your injuries, you got your rules or restrictions from the FMS, and then it's all applied every single time. Yeah. And that, that also a- could change daily, by the way. Those coaches see a new client, you know how it is, see clients that come in. Maybe they rode their motorcycle for all weekend and they <laughs> jacked up their back. I don't know. But yep. you still need to, we're applying that
1: daily, every session after session. Yeah, and we, we've talked about the tools. And I think the last podcast or two ago was about technologies that we use as mm-hmm. part of that. Like, what kind of communication tech do we need to let all these coaches know between those two first conversations? Right. The screening and then this, and we got all that in place. But, yeah, that's a great point is taking someone who – doesn't have an injury yet, but again, if we, we talked about earlier, if you put load and speed and volume on top of an egregious movement pattern, you know mm-hmm. they're not injured, and in, we joked yet, right? But you are going to get them there. So again, what other program do you know of? I don't know of any that takes personal training, makes it affordable, scalable, right. and then is able to accommodate injuries, health history, fitness levels, has a scientific way to measure movement. No one's doing it. No one's doing it. The, it's like not, like the whole place
2: does it. Every coach can do it. Right, systemizing in a way where it, there is no all-star coaching with this program and everybody can run it. Right. How many places are
1: like that? Yeah. Most places you're the all-star <laughs> coach if you got the best playlist. Right. I yeah. mean, honestly, right. She yeah. plays the dopest playlist. It's like, all right, if that's what we're here to do. But we're trying to bring the best possible science. Mm-hmm. And listen, we're at a higher threat price threshold. You can pay a hundred bucks and run around a room and get sweaty with a bunch of other people and do things that are silly. Sure. Or... You can come in here, you can get real scientific training, get it applied to you at the right level, and you can pay you know a fraction of what you'd pay for one-on-one training. But in our systematic approach, I'm going to argue that it's going to be even better than a lot of the things that we see out there. So, 28 years, baby, 28. That's what 28 years gets you. I <laughs> know uh, it's either 28 years or one year repeated 28 times. I've heard that. Thankfully, we're not that <laughs> guy, right? Well, listen, man. Uh, thanks. I know it was kind of a uh, more of a deep dive into the programming, but you're doing some ninja work there. So we'll, we'll keep it up. We cool. vow to continue to evolve this only based on science. Um, and we're constantly to let you guys know, looking at new training techniques, tools, and there's a whole criteria around whether or not they're going to fit our programming. A lot of it we've talked about here in these last two episodes. So if you like what you hear, you guys, you want a systematic approach, check us out, alloyfranchise.com. If you like the podcast, you know, do us a favor, give us a shout out share it, like it, leave us a positive review. We appreciate that. Matt, appreciate you, man. I'll catch you next time. Thank you. See ya.
0: Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast. If you have any questions for the host or are interested in learning more about running a successful personal training business of your own, please reach out and say hello. Connect with us at www.alloypersonaltraining.com and sign up for our free newsletter to receive additional resources.